for the What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. Hello, welcome to That's Deep, Bro. I am Christina Pajitsky. Coming to you from our new studio, and I'm so happy I could cry because the last week and a half, we've been in moving hell, and it's finally over, and I can uh, I can finally not have to deal with my immense need to control everything all the time, because as you know, moving is just a, it's a constant exercise in uh, losing control and not knowing where shit is. Who, where, what am I going to do? How am I going to make my coffee in the morning? Uh, where the fuck are my slippers? And if I could just find a pair of clean underwear, my life will be complete. So all the chaos is, is almost completely behind us. I'm in this glorious studio and I can't wait to do this show. Cause this really talking to you is, uh, my, my, uh, my anchor into, into the universe, you know, cause this is, uh, this is what, this is what we do. This is our constant, so, okay, before that, some business. Washington, D.C., December 9th and 10th at the D.C. Improv. Come see me there. Do stand up. It uh, should be interesting because that place did not vote for Trump. I think five people in D.C. voted for Trump and the rest were like, nah. So, interesting uh, culture. And then, um, hey, we're on it. Christmas, Black Friday. Did you guys, I hope everybody um, immediately when they were done with their Thanksgiving meal, I hope you did what I did. You pushed yourself back from the table and you grabbed your sleeping bag, you put your children to sleep, and you you slept in front of Walmart all night. It's a little cold, but I brought my thermos full of hot chamomile tea and some taco snacks and I I just waited. I slept on the sidewalk all night for um, Walmart to open. And then the shopping began and I just shopped and I just, sh- <laughs> of course not. Listen, don't, you don't need to do that. What you should do is, um, Amazon dude. Why just get your life together. Don't go to the goddamn mall. Um, uh, look, you, you have to buy Christmas gifts. I'm not a huge, as you know, I don't, I didn't shop yesterday, but I do have to buy gifts for people I love, like my husband and my baby. And, um, and some friends, um, use my banner, go to that deep bro podcast, the gmail.com, click on the banner at the bottom of every post, do your shopping as you normally would. It just kicks back a little bit of change to this show and helps us, uh, in, in uh, equipment and crap like that. Also, also, when am I forgetting? Go to thousandranch.com for tour dates. Okay, let's get into it. So much stuff to discuss. I mean, look, is it not the most traumatic time of the year? I think everybody, I don't know everybody, but I know a lot of people don't enjoy the holidays. This is where we're coming upon uh, a very emotional time. You know, this is the end of the year. People are reassessing 
their lives, maybe what they're doing, maybe what they're going to do. People are buying elliptical machines. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Lots to do. Lots to do. like the best dude oh yeah lost in the supermarket i think it's a song about consumerism being as we're on the precipice of the most important holiday in america which is you gotta buy you gotta buy 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 stuff (laughs) you do you do because this this is how the economy works guys consumerism capitalism it all runs on buying stuff and the, the perceived need um, the perceived theory of value and the perceived needs. By the way, do you know that diamonds, I don't know if you've seen the documentary about this crap, but diamonds are a perceived theory of value, meaning um, they're just rocks, just rocks in the ground. And there's a company called De Beers who decides what the value of those rocks will be for the entire world. That's right. So they don't really have an absolute value outside of the De Beers company. Who, who tells you, hey, this tiny little rock that we mine in Africa and uh, people get murdered over, um, this is worth this much money and you better do that. You better buy it because this is it, right? This is engagement time. This is a time of year where uh, the men are pressured into buying engagement rings and you, you got to do it, guys, this time of year. And they have those, um, every kiss begins with K and you you... It's the pressure's on, guys. You got to buy expensive jewelry to show somebody you love them, and you got to get engaged at Christmas. So uh, there you go. But look, it is a necessary evil at Christmas. And uh, I just, here's what I've decided though on the holidays in general um, is that I'm not, I'm not going to let it take me down, bros. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? You know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to allow these holidays to bum me the fuck out. And I've decided, in which I have decided, and I think my husband and I, this has been a slow process over the last six years, 
that we have reclaimed the holidays. I fucking reclaim this. Um, I'm going to make this shit joyful for me, for the kid, for my husband, all three of us. We are going to enjoy ourselves on uh, Christmas, on Thanksgiving. What does that mean? That means I don't get on a fucking airplane uh, unless it's to go to Tahiti or Hawaii or Florida, somewhere as warmer or not, or warmer or as warm as LA. Uh, I don't fly to snowy, shitty places to visit families. I don't get in the car for three hours to drive, um, you know, uh, to, 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 to towns to visit relatives for hours and then come back. I don't do that shit anymore. I put a moratorium on all of this obligational bullshit that I don't enjoy doing. I'm not saying uh, there's some things I enjoy doing and I will continue. I refuse to feel uh, angry and obligated to do things anymore. And I, I ain't going to do it. So here's what I do. Now that I got a house, I got a, a fucking adult place that I live. I, I host. I host and I invite the people who I enjoy being with. And that is it. I only fucking invite people that I, I like their energy uh, that... We, we laugh, good times, drinks, pies, and then sleep. And, and if I do invite family, uh, especially ones that are known to be boundary steppers, well, guess what? There's some rules. And I, and I did that this uh, season. I did it this past Thanksgiving with a family member who is a, a boundary stepper. And I laid down some rules. And I told this person, hey, man, if you violate X, Y, and Z, Motherfucker, you ain't coming in. That's it. That's what's up. No, no, no turkey for you in my house if you violate. And guess what? This person fell in line and they were on best behavior. And it was like a Thanksgiving miracle. Isn't that interesting that you can actively craft the experience that you have of Thanksgiving and I, and of Christmas and of all this nonsense. You know, I read in that book, there's a Wayne Dyer book I've mentioned before called your erroneous zones, erroneous zones, E-R-R-O-N-I-R-O-N-E-S, E-O-U-S zones. And it's like a book from the seventies. Wayne Dyer's dead now, but I, I loved him. He was a bit of a windbag, but he was this poor Wayne Dyer was, um, orphaned at a very young age and he lived in an orphanage and he has the story that he always tells when he speaks that he decided when he went to an orphanage that he wasn't going to let that experience victimize him and that rather than perceive himself as somebody who had nobody to tell him what to do he he would help like the other orphans who were bummed out he would put their arm around like the new kid that just came in and would go what are you bummed about we're in an orphanage. You know what that means? That there's no parents here to tell you what to do. You know, you're absolutely free here. This is wonderful. You should really enjoy this. And so, you know, it's a cool story in terms of, of, uh, of perception. And I think many of us that have, uh, you know, maybe you don't have pleasant memories of Christmas, of holidays in general, because maybe your family, uh, tr- you know, tortured you. Maybe, Maybe you had a mom um, who refused to cook meals for your stepsisters and your stepdad because she believed that they weren't grateful enough. And so rather than cook holiday meals, maybe you had a mom who would insist that we all went down to the local Chinese restaurant and have our Christmas 
dinners, Thanksgiving meals uh, at a Chinese restaurant. Uh, So when everyone else was having turkey or stuffing or duck, we were having beef with broccoli and some uh, lo mein noodles. And maybe, I don't know, maybe every now and then said mother, stepfather would get mad and throw a plate of food across the table and it would hit the wall and food would go everywhere. Or I don't know, maybe you'd have said dad that would polish his gun at the Christmas table. Um, you know, just stuff like that off the top of my head. I don't, you know, I don't know if these are some things that you relate to. Maybe, maybe a relative who drank too much and uh, was holding an entire platter of food. Maybe they came down the stairs one time drunk and then spilled the, all the dinner uh, all over the stairs and then passed out on the couch. Just things like that. I don't know if that resonates. Uh, so maybe you have memories of, of a shit, of a dog shit fucking Christmas holiday. And um, I've decided, again, I'm, I will not allow this time of year to be a bummer. And why should it be? Look, there's a lot of cool stuff about the holidays. A, presents. Everyone likes prezies. B, you decorate. I, I love decorations for it starts at halloween that's my favorite i love halloween i love thanksgiving cheer and i love the christmas lights twinkly shiny um i'm a sucker for anything glitter anything that lights up anything red oh my god get your life i'm gonna get my tree today and i'm gonna do it up i'm gonna do it oh i want to get like multiple trees um but my kid will probably tear them down so i don't know i don't know what the solution is but uh i'm definitely not gonna I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to reclaim this shit. I'm going to have fun. So there we go. Uh, Moving was crazy. As you know, I, Tom and I have moved, I think three times in the last three years, Um, which is good in that, you know, you're forced to purge your belongings every uh, so often. So by this third move, we've, um, we've purged a lot of the stuff that we've had, uh, which is great. Cause then you're like, well, I don't really need a lot of this stuff. It's, it's amazing how much shit you have that you do not need. I would say 90% of the shit that I own, I just, you don't need. And I've learned that lesson living out of a suitcase for a lot of my life. And I say that even between when I was a little kid and I would go in between mom and dad's house, you know, like my dad would have custody on the weekends and mom was during the weekday. And you, you know, you packed a bag. That's how, that's how a lot of us kids live with divorced parents. You had a bag, you had maybe two sets of toys and stuff, but really you had a bag of essentials and I can live out of a suitcase. I can't, I don't like to cause it depresses me. Um, but I, I really, at the end of the day, I don't have, like I, I end up buying multiples of the same thing. Like I, I, if I like a pair of pants, I just buy, I buy like, um, three of the same thing. I don't fuck. I hate, I don't like to dress myself. So I just, I wear, I wear the same thing. Basically I have variants. I have about 10 black t-shirts that are on the rotation. Um, I'm so bad at being a girl. I'm so bad at being a girl. Fuck. I just, I, w- I wish I had, I just feel like that takes so much time. I don't have that kind of time uh, to shop and to fucking match handbags. I wish I could. I'm not saying that stuff is bad. I just, I envy Like I, there's people on Instagram. I don't even know who they are. And I, I follow them because they're such, they're so good at being girls. Like, oh, fuck. Here I am. I'm all, I can't, I don't have the time. I'm frazzled all the time. Um, 
yeah, 90% of the shit I don't need. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. So this mover was, first of all, all the movers took shits in our bathroom, which is an, another wonderful bonus of moving. If you don't know that, um, the workers will all take turns. And we had several workers in our home, you know, you know, patching up various things. And, you know, houses are seldom like 100% move-in ready. So uh, it's been just like days, days of dudes taking shits uh, in my house. And it's really cool. What happens is there's like a lunch break. You can, I know when the shits are starting. The shit starts in the morning. I, I had an electrician come in. And he shook my hand and then not five minutes later was taking a shit um, in, in the bathroom right next to my kitchen. So, you know, and, and I thought first when he, I shook his hand, hey, he's a sweet guy, like sweet older dude. And he comes, can I use the restroom? And I figured, well, it must be a number one because we, like, we just met. I just met you, bro. And it was about eight o'clock in the morning. And I'm thinking, there's no way this man has the damn nerve to shake my hand, meet me in my damn home, do work on my house, and then not even start the work, but take a shit in my house before he's even done anything? Get your life. But lo and behold, homeboy took a big old steamer right there, and I could fucking smell it, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me, dude. Who savage does that? I mean, what 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 kind of human being? Uh, he's I'm sure he's a delightful. He's delightful. His personality was great, but I mean, you, if you know you're going to somebody's house like a stranger, you don't carry a full load uh, into that person's house. I mean, I would stop at Starbucks, but but by the way, no, I don't like Starbucks bathrooms because the Starbucks bathroom they have a, there's like a minimum in a Starbucks any given time thirty people, thirty people on computers camped out with their kids, with their dogs. Um, you know, there's the, the guy who's like Captain Show Business who's making show business calls. That's, that's always my favorite at the Starbucks, right? Like fucking Michael Eisner is at Starbucks making his calls. No, uh, yeah, Jim, I got the paperwork. This looks excellent. I'm going to sign the contracts and get it back. Like that guy's doing business at fucking Starbucks. But my point being, there's like minimum 30 peeps at the Starbucks at all times. Drinking a product that makes you do nothing but shit your brains out and urinate constantly. And the Starbucks company is like, we're going to put fucking maybe, maybe two, but sometimes one unisex bathroom for an entire place of business that only, that specializes in making you take a shit. It's really cruel. I mean, at least the in and out in our neighborhood, they got like four stalls um, her bathroom, it's like, dude, come on. But I would, t- I don't even like the Starbucks toilet for that reason. I got a few safe, and this is a new neighborhood. And, uh, I'm familiar with this neighborhood. So, um, I know Target's always really good. Those are good safe haven toilets. I go into Target a lot because you know, those are like family ones. So they got a lot of stalls. Um, God, there's bookstores. Bookstores are like the best because I used to work at a bookstore in the nineties. It's no longer uh, around anymore. What was the chain called? It wasn't it was called Bookstar. It's no longer there. And my section was self-help. Isn't that ironic in philosophy? How funny. And, um, and um, my, you know, occasionally you, your job is to clean out the toilet every night. And I remember, oh, I hated that because we'd close at like 11 at night. It was super late. 
And that was just, that's the worst when you're on toilet duty. Cause I just remember cleaning out the, the toilets and I was, I was like 20, 20 years old, maybe a sophomore in college, you know, it's like a summer gig when I'd be home with my folks and God damn it. I remember being like, who is shitting? Who's leaving like curly, nasty, you nasty pubes on the toilet seat and just camping out and taking their craps there. And then I grew up and, uh, <laughs> and then I realized like, oh no, you need to have your safe haven toilets because you can't bring a dump over to somebody's house all the time. Not, not if they're not good friends, you know? So yeah, there you go. Um, oh, what was I going to say? I, did I mention this, that guilt is repressed anger at the situation? Yes. Back to, back to this holiday real briefly before I move on. A lot of us feel obligated to do things with people we don't enjoy being around. Let me propose this to you. Let me propose this to you um, just for your consideration that maybe the people you don't enjoy being around on the holidays, maybe you don't have to do it. And I know immediately you go, yeah, but it's my uh, aunt. Yeah, but it's my, uh, yeah, but that's my mom and my dad. And yeah, but my sister always has. Mm -mm. Let me propose this to you. It's just a suggestion that the guilt that sets in, you know, that guilt, that nag, oh, oh, I got to, fuck, I got to. But we have to, but we have to. Allow me to propose that maybe you don't have to. Now, six years ago, my husband and I, made the decision that I don't like feeling guilt motivated. I'm not interested. If I if if you invite me over and I feel a sense of guilt and duty to have to go over, fuck it. I know that that's a bad situation, right? Again, if it feels shitty, it is shitty. And that goes for a lot everything, dude. Trust your gut on the trust your feeling. If it's one thing I learned watching Oprah, you got to trust your gut. And I'm telling you, if I feel even a fucking ounce of that nah, but we have to oh, fucking hell. guess what i stopped doing six years ago i stopped doing stuff motivated by guilt uh, that yeah but we have to no you don't says who says who so what so you upset somebody so somebody's offended maybe they suck to hang out with have they thought of that maybe they're not stellar company maybe they have a drinking problem and maybe they start to say awful things to you or maybe they have a personality disorder and they say awful things to you all the time. Or maybe they are just unpleasant to be around. Why would you subject yourself uh, to, to, to being around shitty people? And I did it for years. I'm not saying that, I'm, that I figured this all out. But I, I just got sick of being treated like shit. And you know what I'm talking about. You know. And sometimes it's your, your own parent who's a fucking dickbag. And then you go over there and you schlep over there. And it's Christmas and it's cold. And you fucking bring gifts. And then they tell you you're fat, excuse me, or, or, you know, why aren't you doing this or good? Or the worst is my favorite is when you call them and instead of them being glad to speak to you, it's, whoa, look who finally called, right? They guilt you. They're upset that you haven't called more. Well, it's like, yeah, asshole. Maybe if you were cool to talk to, I'd call more instead of getting the right act about what a piece of shit I am. So I respectfully for your consideration, suggest maybe just opting out. And like I said, we did it six years ago. There were Thanksgivings. We I, we went to Hawaii one year. This is before we had kids, obviously. And fuck it, Hawaii, why not? Why, why do I got to go uh, anywhere else? I could go to fucking Hawaii, and we did. And it was a maze. It was the best Thanksgiving ever. <laughs> I laid on a beach. 
I laid on a beach and I didn't cook anything and I didn't feel bad. And by the way, Wayne Dyer says that guilt, when you feel guilty, uh, that's repressed anger at the situation. That is your own repressed not wanting to do shit. So I don't do anything out of guilt. I don't do anything because I should. Should is the death of fun. Should is the death of of anything positive in your life. Whenever you hear yourself shoulding, oh, but I should. Oh, but I should. I just know that that's a bad gig, man. Oh, but I fucking should. Well, you could. I mean, you should implies that you don't have a will, right? Should implies that you absolutely, there's, there's no way and you got to, and then that's a bummer. So I, I like to change my shoulds to coulds. I could do that or I fucking couldn't. And I'll tell you something though, those abusive people in your life, in your own family, when you don't show up for a few years, oh, you better believe they straighten up. (laughs) Then they start to act correct when you do see them. So there you go. Let's do some emails, buddies. I feel like I, I, you know, I took last week off, if you didn't notice, for that zebra. I, we didn't have the studio set up anyways, but it was Thanksgiving. Everybody deserves a break, and God knows we fucking, I needed one after um, moving. God damn it. Never again. This is the last move. This is it. We're, uh, we're in it to win it. Okay. Gosh, I love this question. Let's do it. Let's start with something light and fluffy, and I think this is so funny. This is um, from a gentleman. He writes, I was re-listening to an old Your Mom's House episode where you talked about farting all over a woman on the plane. That was really annoying. I also will fart out of anger sometimes when I don't feel like confronting people. My question is, why do I choose to use farts instead of my words? The bigger question is, why do people assert themselves passively And why do we choose that instead of something more direct that may correct our problems quicker? Man, what a great question. Thank you for this one. What a great... And this is known as passive aggression, by the way. Now, allow me to frame this. Uh, This woman that that we speak of, I remember she was sitting next to me on a plane ride and she was just like super loud and like, oh, like talking like this, like... You know what's really cool? We should do it like a total dumb dumb. Um, ooh, this is fucking so stupid, you know. I was watching the TV show about uh, you know. Oh my god, have you ever seen that show? How I Met Your Mother. That is so funny, huh? Like just dumb shit. And I um, I had farts in the chamber. Like I. I had eaten something horrible and I got on this plane and I, I just decided that it it wasn't so much as a revenge at the time, but it was more about if this is the fart you're speaking of, because I farted many times on airplanes, but I think this is the one you're referring to. This one, I just had to get out of me and I was happy at the thought that it would cause her a little upset. You know what I mean? So the primary motivation in this fart was more about, my relief. But if it happened to upset her, then that was kind of a bonus. And it did. And I remember her going, oh, do you smell that? Oh, I smell like a dirty diaper. I'll never forget that. Like a dirty diaper. Oh. (laughs) And it really made me happy um, to ruin her moment. And the thing is, is that 
look, you're right. But what do I say to her? Like, that's the thing I wonder, like, is there a more direct approach? Could I have been like, Hey, excuse me. I happen to hear your conversation and I've noticed that you have an extremely low IQ and the things you're talking about are fucking retarded and you probably shouldn't be allowed to procreate. I can't say these things to people. So my way of just like, I don't know, given just letting her know, letting her know that I'm not, I don't approve was a fart. Um, but to, you know what, I, well, I don't know. I guess what I could have, I could have done if there's an appropriate response, maybe like my therapist says that, um, you should use the proper channels of communication. So for instance, I should probably have like, um, called the flight attendant over and been like, pardon me, this woman is being disruptive and loud. Could you, could you, or this woman's being super dumb. Could you tell her not to be dumb? Um, but no, you know, sometimes on planes I get so grumpy. I'm so miserable when I would travel just because it's usually early and I'm tired and I just fucking hate humanity. And I, you know, you just, you hate everybody because they're so close to you. And I just judge people silently sometimes when I'm on planes. Ugh, I think I'm, but it's more about me. You know, at the end of the day, it's not them. Like I, I see dumb people all the time and I don't hate them as much as when they're sitting right next to me for hours on a plane. Um, but it's really about you, right? It's about me. It's about my inability um, to just let it kind of pass over me, right? And any other normal day, I would have been like, oh man, this fucking chick's stupid. And then you plan ahead because you know, hey, I'm going to be sitting on a plane with a bunch of dum-dums who are going to say dumb shit. I'm going to wear my headphones, my noise cancelers, and I'm going to listen to something else. I'm going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to listen to music. I'm going to tune this retard out. And um, that that's the more constructive way, I think, in that situation. But why do we, why do we choose to use farts instead of words? Um, interesting. Why, why do we passively assert ourselves instead of doing something more direct? It's so interesting. Well, I have a theory. Um, I think because a lot of us were taught early in life that if you assert your wishes, your boundaries, your wants, that a lot of times that stuff is met with rage, sometimes physical. It could be met with um, punishment of some kind. You know, a lot of kids are taught that if you're good, if you're behaving well, then I like you. But if you're behaving shittily, mommy doesn't like you. And that's, um, yeah, it just happens. And I, I think you learn from an early age how to assert yourself. And if it's met well by people like teachers and parents and this and that, then you kind of grow up to know that it's okay to tell people to do things differently or that you prefer something else. But if you're squashed early on, you, then you get afraid of communicating with people Um, Because it's kind of hardwired into you at a certain point. And then you fucking have to go to a therapist and undo that for uh, ages. Because at least for me, I think a long time I was afraid of retaliation with people because my mom was a borderline. And every time I would assert uh, a want or assert something that I knew would upset that person, I'm like, oh, no, they're going to retaliate. And sometimes in life, people do retaliate because, you know, uh, I would attract people that were similar to my mom, of course, and um, and they would act that way, and then it kind of reaffirms your whole thing of, well, I shouldn't have said anything in the first place, and oh my God, oh my God. Um, but yeah, that's usually why. And sometimes it, I think it is smart not to do it the right way, okay? Because you don't know in the world, I'm talking about strangers, I'm not talking about people in your your close sphere, but you don't know who's out there, dude, like 
you don't know what people are walking around with in their heads. So sometimes the, the, the best confrontation is none at all. It's just none at all. I, I don't even do a passive thing because that's aggressive, right? That is really aggression that you're just like, oh, I got to get rid of this. I hate this person. I should act on this. I mean, now I, I don't, I don't even hate fart that much on people anymore. Um, I just don't have the energy, but I, I just let it go a lot. I let a, I let a lot more stuff go these days because you re, like I, I, because of caring for um, a small child, I, I really don't have energy to give a fuck about um, 95% of the stuff I gave a fuck about before. You're just like, dude, none of that matters. I, I have to keep this human being alive. So none of this shit matters, um, which is really a relief. <laughs> Of uh, huge relief because I think when you you know what's that saying idle hands are the devil's playground I believe that I, I believe that 100% um, I drank a lot more before I had a kid and I stressed about stuff a lot more before I had a kid just because you got more time you got a lot of free time and uh, yeah but that's why I think that's why that's my theory because um, you don't know what's out there bro that some people are crazy I don't know if I turned to that stupid woman and was like, hey, you're dumb. I can't remember that. But what if I was like, could you please keep it down? She might have been like, oh, I don't know, you bitch. Because a lot of times people do come back with, fuck you. And then, oh boy, and then I have to sit next to her. Or then I have to move. Oh my God. So for me at that moment, the lesser evil was just to fart on her and then um, enjoy the reaction, <laughs> which was super fun. Super fun. What a great, thoughtful question. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Where's the other one? I got to read this one too. This one was um, a little out there. But I think you guys should hear this stuff. See, I don't read all the emails on, on the show. Some of it I just keep for myself. By the way, if you want to email me, that's podcast at gmail.com. Because some of the shit you're just like, bro, you got... Okay, here. I'm just going to I'm just gonna read it. Um, hey, my fave Caucasian mommy. Thank you. I want to ask if you can prescribe anything for fuck it syndrome. I have been showing signs of fuck it syndrome for about a few years now. And honestly, my life is a lot easier. I'm a musician working in construction, but fuck it. Bills are getting paid. It's been raining in Houston. So my hours are short and sometimes bills don't get paid, but fuck it. I was eating right and attempting to stop being an alcoholic, but now you guessed it. Fuck it. Even though I'm 22 and have given myself alcohol-induced insomnia, I'm now screaming fuck it at 3 a.m. when I go to work drunk. I guess this must be what it feels like to be a douchebag. (laughs) Disregard for women's opinions, discrediting others' thoughts of your behavior, and fuck it to everyone who says the path that you're on should be eradicated from this earth. But being the person that you have that you have to be seems to be the only way you can look in the mirror and still not look at yourself while simultaneously knowing that your life isn't just shit. Okay, listen, listen, but what's the end game? He writes, and can my nihilistic thoughts really allow one? I guess my question is starting to ask myself is what would Miss Chris P. Jean say to a severely damaged youngster who finally has solace for the avenue of giving up? Okay, listen, uh, it, no, number one, this is why I read this to you guys because I, I, I don't always, like I said, I don't always say, I save these for like the vaults, but do you you hear that stuff? This is somebody that's drinking. Stop fucking drinking alcohol, boo-boo. You're only 22. And yeah, there's a certain amount of nihilism at your age. It's pretty normal and pretty healthy. This is alcohol. 
talking. Do you guys hear this shit? This rambling, crazy fucking email. Stop the drinking. Can I tell you that since I stopped drinking, I, first of all, Thanksgiving, I drank five glasses of wine and the next day I felt like hot shit death. And I don't drink anymore really just because I'm up at the crack of dawn with this kiddo and I can't be hungover every day. But man, when you stop drinking, you realize how much, how much unnecessary crap you put on yourself because you drank. God damn it. Stop drinking. Get your ass into a 12 step program. Go fucking to meetings. Listen, go meet other people that have the, the same shit you got. Trust me. Nobody's special. None of us are special with this human uh, condition that we live in. By the way, this podcast should just be called The Human Condition because this is what the fuck we talk about. This is real life, right? Real real talk. And and the, you're, you're living the dramas that everyone does because we all go, fuck it, fuck it, maybe, maybe this. But there's a healthy level of fuck it, okay, which ties into my move and to a loss of control. There's a healthy amount of letting go. There's a healthy amount of, look, my bills may not get paid on time because I'm pursuing a dream. Um, There's a healthy amount of, hey, I need a break. I'm going to go party instead of doing work right now. And that's all necessary. You need fun. You need to follow your ambition. Uh, You need to have a life. But this guy, you're off the fucking rails, bro. You got to go, you got to go see a shrink and you, you got to stop drinking ASAP. You're only 22 years old. God damn it. Okay. There you go. Okay. Oh, baby, baby, boo, booby, booby. Question for the main. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Let me see if there's one I wanted for you guys. Cause I thought it was pretty interesting. Is this it from Aaron? No. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, baby, baby. Oh, I love this one. Okay, this comes in from a bro. Hey, mommy, like many of us, like many of the beautiful mommies listening to that, Steve, bro, I'm 23, have depression, and I'm often wildly anxious. Ooh, girl. Always. A therapist I saw a while ago suggested that I may have dysthymia. I don't know if that's it. A persistent depressive disorder since I've had symptoms from an early age, as early as nine or 10. My parents have or slash had depression and my younger brother has bipolar disorder. We are all very quote gifted when it comes to depression. (laughs) After listening to a lot of the podcasts, I got my life, saw my doctor. Excellent. And we'll be starting regular therapy again soon. Fan-fucking-tastic. Congratulations. You're getting your life. Per your recommendation, I picked up a copy of Wayne Dyer's Your Erroneous Zones. Excellent. And got my mind blown every time I opened the book. It is a co- Isn't it good? Good your life. You know what? Start 2017 off by Your Erroneous Zones by Wayne Dyer. And read it. I'm telling you, I think this was like one of the very first self-help books like that made millions of dollars. It was, but it's for, it's for a reason. Uh, it should just be called Psychology. It's fucking good. Okay. In a recent podcast, you answered a question from a listener about whether he should stay at his insurance job to secure his future, even though it makes him miserable. This resonated really deeply. I've been thinking of quitting my job for some of the same reasons. However, after reading most of the erroneous sounds, I came to the realization an unhealthy amount of my decisions, whether huge or tiny, have been the result of fear, neurotic thinking, or symptoms of depression. Many of the decisions 
have had big consequences that I'm only now just seeing. I'm nervous that the reasons I want to quit my job and reorient my life in a new direction could be changed with a difference in attitude slash effort, but I'm too submerged uh, depression mind to see what's true. My question is, how can I be sure I'm making decisions that aren't based in the same old shitty habitual thoughts? Who's driving the bus of my life, me or my depression? And how can I be sure it's me driving the bus, not some old asshole thought of mine? Dude, I cannot, this email, I totally, I resonate with. Um, and for those of you who don't understand what this guy is saying, he's saying like, well, how do I know I'm making decisions based on the messed up brain or quote unquote messed up brain, or maybe the brain that you are trying to overcome, right? Versus a positive place. Like, how do you know your decisions are coming out of forward thinking, good decisions, healthy decisions, decisions that will keep you um, on a, on a healthy, normal path versus the diseased brain, right? The shit brain, the brain that is depressed and this and that. That is such a good question. And I, I constantly, this is something I uh, deal with every week, every week in therapy. This is something I deal with. Um, and here's, here's how I know that I'm doing something out of the wrong part of the brain, out of the brain that's going to be destructive for me ultimately. Cause that, that's a problem with making decisions out of that side of you is that in the long run, you're just on a loop. You're on the same hamster wheel that you've been on for the last 20 years, 30 years, whatever it is. And you want to change. I think, I do believe that people don't enjoy suffering. I don't think you enjoy making the same bad decisions over and over and over and over again, but that's what we all do because you don't know another way, right? For instance, I got a problem with my kid where I, uh, I'm a perfectionist, okay? For whatever reason, I, I, I like a lot of control in my life and I, I got to do everything right with him, right? I got, I got to do it right because I don't want to mess him up the same way I was messed up and... Um, you know, I don't want him to have the same anxieties and neuroses that I have. So I got to do this perfect, but I don't think like, I don't, I don't, but that's my shrink says, you know, perfectionism, but I don't think the word perfectionism. I just think, well, this is the way I do shit, (laughs) right? I'm not thinking consciously, I got to be perfect. I'm just thinking, well, this is the only way I know how to do shit. Okay. Because no one ever did this for me. My mommy and daddy didn't fucking help me and I'm an only child. And I, if I don't do this, nobody else will. Cause that's the brain I grew up with. Right is the brain of, hey man, I'm the only one that can help me, which is not not necessarily true and not necessarily helpful or good. So I got to undo that wiring. So a lot of my decisions, I have to, I have to run through the mill of, I I have a, I have a checks and balance is what I do. I don't, I, Colin, this is the guy who's writing name, Colin. Um, I, I do a series of checks and balances. Number one is a decision I'm making is it an impulsive decision? Because I had a lot of problem with impulsive decisions. And that is also a symptom of children of alcoholics. I don't know if you guys heard that episode, if you've listened to that one. Um, Adult children of alcoholics. I read that book and I did a whole episode on that. So if you got parents that had the drinky drinkies, listen to that episode because a lot of that shit, a lot of us have that stuff. It's funny because I don't even think it takes, it's just addictive. Any addictive parent probably raised you to have... The stuff, but uh, so the point is, is it impulsive? Is this something? Because in the past, I would fucking burn down the building and then burn down the bridge that led to the building and then burn down the car that I drove it to. And yeah, and that's how I and I knew that I would end up in the exact same place I was before I I went there. You know, so 
is it is it a spontaneous decision? Is it something based on like what that guy said? Fuck it syndrome. Fuck it. Fuck it. I want to burn down that. Fuck it. Fuck it. I'm out. Fuck it. That kind of thinking. Excuse me. Generally, doesn't lead to long term happiness. Okay. When that the choke chain of like I got to I got to get out of here. That's usually because you're triggered from some old shit. It's got nothing to do with now. And, you, you, you know, actually it does have everything to do with now because it's your past wiring that's making the decision. That's what I've found, the impulse stuff. Ah, 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 right? Ah, ah. When I'm super triggered by something, when I'm super emotional, see, triggered's a fan. I hate that word because it's like, well, what the fuck does that mean? It means that you're super fired up. You're super emotional. Whenever I find myself overreacting about something, like no, the, other, the other people aren't, that's, that's a trigger for you, right? That's your thing. So are you overreacting? Number one. Are you impulsive? Number two. And then I run it by a few people in my life who I think are living pretty great lives. I, I you know, like Dan Pena says, I, I look at the winners. I don't look at the fucking, um, I don't look at the, the losers. I look at the winners. And I look at the people. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Right? So if you're hanging with fucking losers, don't ask the losers what to do because <laughs> the losers are going to tell you their fucking dumb way of thinking. And that's not where you want to go. You want to go with the winner. So I like my husband. I think my husband's got his shit together. He's got his life. And I ask him, Hey, is this a normal thought? Is this, is this a reasonable thing? Cause I don't always see, um, I ask my shrink cause I trust her, uh, with my life, with my brain. And those are two people, and I have one other friend or two that I'll run stuff by if it's a big decision, you know. Am I being irrational? Am I being impulsive? No, no, check, check. Okay, then I know this is a good decision, and then I go forward with it. So there you go. Uh, And it is hard. I know what you're saying. It's hard because you don't know if it's your asshole brain or the productive uh, good brain. And I think it comes with time. Eventually you'll learn the difference between the two. If you're, if you keep uh, cognizant, you, you just have to stay uh, awake, woke, as the kids say, stay woke, stay woke. And then you will, um, you'll find your solution. Oh, mommy, mommy, do you want to pull my jeans up high? Okay. Let's see. Do you want to pull your jeans up high? Okay. This is from, oh, Brooke, okay. Okay. This is, hey, mommy, I wanted your advice on something. My husband and I found ourselves talking about having a baby. No idea why, because neither of us are comfortable around kids, but one of our own would be kind of cool. We haven't really been actively trying for one, but not preventing either. We are in our own house and financially stable. Good, good, good. But something is still holding me back from really trying. It's not the responsibility of a little one, although that's scary too. I just don't feel I have that motherly instinct. And I know 24 is young and maybe it would come with age, but my main concern is the actual birthing part. Oh yeah. Like the part where it has to exit my body. I have a very low pain tolerance and I just don't know that I could handle the pain I pass out getting my finger prick for Christ's sake. How would I survive the tubes of blood work? <laughs> Another thing I'm worried about is that it seems most of my friends with kids fight with their partners. I'm scared it would drive a wedge between me and my husband. We are both only children and are perfectly fine with it being just us and our pups. 
can't help but thinking we are missing out on something greater. Are some people just meant not meant to be parents? Should we wait a few years? Am I trying to talk myself into or out of something here? Ooh, Brooke, that's a lot. And they do take so many blood tubes. I remember one time, one visit, they took like 15, and I'm not exaggerating, 15 tubes. <laughs> um, okay. It's a lot. 24 is super young. Here's the best part about this, uh, Brooke, is that you don't really have to decide for a, a long time. You've got a, a, you've got years. I would say you've got a decade <laughs> before you really got to get into it. So number one, oh, and this is this ties into this last email. By the way, guys, a lot of us feel the need to decide on something right away. There's a pressure. I got I got to know now. I got I got to decide now. And that's normal and I think a lot of us have that thing of like if I don't decide now then uh, my life relax. Chill. It's all going to be there. There's no need to decide right away. So Brooke, you don't have to decide right away. And I can hear your wheels spinning like are we just not baby people because I don't feel like I could be a good mom and are we just not into this? Should we just stay with her? I hear it. I know it because I went through a lot of the same thoughts. A lot, I, can I tell you something? Before I had a kid, I never even held a baby. I held one baby, my nephew, once. Once. I never changed a diaper. I had no interest in babies. I never liked them. I never, I never, you know, when people were like, look at the baby picture. I, I would go, I don't know what you guys are saying. That's so fantastic here. I have, I don't fucking care. Now, kids, I love children. I've always loved children because you can communicate. They're silly. They're fun. They're blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, and uh, will will you be maternal? It doesn't sound to me like you have anything to worry about. Uh, you haven't written anything like I beat my dogs. <laughs> I don't like living things. You say you have pups. That's a really good indicator that you're good at caring for living things. I think dogs are an amazing training ground and cats too, for that matter. Any living creature in your home is a wonderful training a training ground for baby. It's the same shit, different toilet. A little, you know, baby's varsity level animals are JV, but, uh, but it's training nonetheless, especially a puppy. Holy shit. Especially a puppy. But, um, uh, yeah. Are, are you the, Oh, the pain. Okay. First of all, I don't know why in this culture, I don't know why women, I, I do understand the, the dynamics a little, but, uh, women are doing this thing now where, where we are reclaiming the birthing process because there's a there's a feeling that male doctors have taken over birthing process and that whole industry and you know and then there's a goddamn documentary that that Ricky Lake made that everybody and their mom watched the business of being born you know, where they talk about how they give you Pitocin and the Pitocin's evil because it hurries up the, it makes you dilate faster and it gives you bigger um, contractions. And then the epidural's evil because it, you don't feel the, the birth and you don't, let me tell you something. Okay. And I know there's a lot of women listening whose assholes are puckering uh, because they, they want to do a, na- go ahead. Do you want to do a natural, There, you absolutely should go in a fucking Creek, get naked and have a baby on some rocks. And I know the arguments for them. I'm not saying I've read it. I read it all before I had a kid. Um, but, uh, but, and if you want to do it, Natch, go for it, dude. Go for it. Personally, the thought of doing that to me was so counterproductive. 
And I, the first thing I asked my, asked my OBGYN, the first question was, will you give me drugs the minute I ask for them? And that's an important question to ask your OB women. You can ask, by the way, when, you, when you're signing up with them, when you're preggers, ask her or him, hey man, what's your policy on drugs? Because a lot of these people won't give you the drugs until you're a certain amount dilated. Did you know that? Yeah. So you'll show up all writhing in pain and then a doctor will be like, no, 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 come back in like when you're five centimeters or whatever. And that could be hours for some people. So get your life, make sure you got a doctor that's loose with the drugs. Uh, mine was the, you know, I went into labor hugely fast. My contractions started five minutes apart. So by the time we got to the hospital, my water broke and I was, I was in it. It was like, I was in it. And she gave me drugs ASAP. I had an epidural and it was easy street, dude. Like, I, I hate to say this because I know there's a lot of women listening who suffered and had a, you know, I was 75 hours. I was in labor for five days and I ate nothing except ice chips. That was not my experience because there's an option. There's many options. You want to have your baby in a creek? You can do that. You want to have your baby in a tub? You can do that. You want to have your baby at home? You can do that. If you want to go the medical route, it's painless. Now, I'm telling you, you don't believe me. I'm telling you, my dear Brookie. There's no reason to suffer. Uh, I got drugs. They cut my taint. Yes, they did. I had an episiotomy, and that only hurt in the re- recovery of it. You know what I'm saying? Not, not in the time. You don't, everything's numb from the waist down, so you don't even you feel the pushing a little, right? Because they turn it down, I guess, so you can feel contractions. But it feels like a menstrual cramp. It's, it was for me, no biggie, dude. So take the drugs. Let fucking science help you. And it's it's it can be. Uh, pretty easy peasy. I was 12 hours, top to bottom, out, and I was on with my life, and I got my life back. So it doesn't have to be. It really doesn't have to be. That That is, I believe, a cultural thing where women are told they have to suffer, and it's just not the case. I wish I had the 1950s birth where they put you out with that ether, and then they just woke you up, and they're like, here's your baby. Here's a cigarette. <sighs> okay. You're so young. You're 24. Wait, dude. Wait. Wait, wait, wait. Just wait until like 28. <laughs> yeah, the actual birthing, it's, it, it really doesn't have to be that bad. Okay. And the blood work, here's what you do. When, they, when someone takes your blood and you don't like, like it, think about fucking something else. Okay? You think I think? I don't think about the guy taking my blood, the nurse taking my blood. I sing songs. I ask them questions about their lives. I distract. Same thing when I train. By the way, I got, I got off my diet uh, for a day for this Thanksgiving. It was a nightmare. But you think I enjoy uh, f- an hour of fucking Pilates? Oh my God, I, I, it is my nightmare to exercise. But you know what I do? I pretend I'm laying on a beach in Tahiti. I take my mind, I, I, I conquer my fucking mind. That's all this shit is. That's all life is, conquering the mind. I ask my trainer questions. I get her, I, I tell her, I go, look, I cannot fucking count. Nothing, nothing makes exercise worse when they're like, and five more, five, four, like that. When I feel time, I want to blow my brains out. So I tell my trainer, I go, just talk, talk about anything. Let's talk about anthropology. I like anthropology. Let's talk about, let's talk about fucking runners for the Thanksgiving table. Okay. Talk, tell me about dishware. I don't, I don't want to, I, you know what I mean? So I listen to her talk and then I just do the exercise and then it's over. Same with labor, same with everything you push through positive push as, as uh, Brody Stevens would say. And I had, you know, I grew up uh, around where I live now and I, there's a hot dog place that I grew up going to. And, um, 
man, I'm so stoked. I found it again. And I haven't had, it's a, it's a chili dog with mustard on it. And uh, I, I get extra mustard and the dog, it's cooked so perfectly. You ever have a hot dog? I like when the skin is like very uh, taut and it's got like a smoky taste. Same with the New York street dogs, very similar, like dirty water. I can taste the dirty water. I love it. And the chili, this place I go to, it's very bland. It's like, it just looks like diarrhea with no taste. But the mustard and and the chili combined really gets my my goat. And I went there and I ate one in the car like a savage. Oh, I just gobbled it up like a fucking asshole. It was funny because it's one of these places where like a lot of blue collar workers go you know, I played like my dad would go there on his lunch break and order like two hot dogs. And I just saw like the line of construction workers and then me, cause I ended up eating it at like 11 in the morning, you know, cause when I'm up at 6am, you know, by 1030, I'm ready to eat meat. You know, I'm just, my, my body's all fucked up my scheduling, but, oh, I could tell you, I could eat a chili mustard dog every day of my life. If, if it, if it didn't make me, um, sick, if it didn't, if it wouldn't, wouldn't kill me, I would just eat that crap all day. That in and out, I would do in and out. God damn, I like that too. Oh, and I love spaghetti with ragu sauce and shaky cheese. That is my death row meal. Traditional ragu, not the meat one. Traditional ragu, mm. oh, and just spaghetti, not the not the healthy weed kind, just shitty white trash spaghetti and shaky cheese. I love, it's so funny. I didn't realize, I always thought I didn't grow up with American food because my mother was, you know, both my parents are foreigners and we ate nasty shit like, you know, fucking tripe and cow brains and um, blood sausages and all this. But my mother really did buy a lot of these American things because of convenience. You know, I had Twinkies. I had Chef Boyardee out of a can, which I, I have to stop myself from buying. I love SpaghettiOs. God damn it. The orange Oh, so good. I love, um, I, you know what I really love this Thanksgiving is like Stouffer's shitty box stuffing. Oh, I don't want the gourmet. You keep your fucking gourmet. You keep it because I like the American classics and I love green bean casserole with the French onions. I, that's what we did here. I did, I did everything out of cans because <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, come on, who fucking, who's got time to make, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to let the bread harden and then I'm going to, you know, flake off the crumbs and I'm going to make it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Get your life. Get your life. I'm going to make cranberry sauce. Get out of here. I just get the can. It's, it tastes great tastes great. And I got honey baked ham this year because I don't, I don't really like turkey as it is. So I got, uh, I got a smoked turkey and then I got a honey baked ham from honey baked ham. That shit is good. God damn. There's nothing better than a honey baked ham. Yeah. But all good things for the holidays, guys, you got to find the joy in it. Find what you like. You know, you don't have to do, you don't have to do shit that you don't want. If you don't want to do it, don't do it at all. Go, go get a fucking chili dog for Christmas. What do I care? Do your life. Get your life. Get your entire life. I wish I had a song about that. Can someone make a song about getting your life? Um, did you guys see that meme? Um, the the grandma was like, I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, ram, yam, chicken, chicken. You name it. <laughs> That's the best, dude. You name it. I can fucking watch that. I must have watched that 20 times. I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, scram, yam, yeah, 
Chicken, chicken. Okay. All right, let's go. I, I got to go. I'm going to go buy a Christmas tree. Um, I can't wait. I'm going to decorate the fuck out of it because I'm a grown-ass woman. I'm a grown-up now. I do what the fuck I want. I hope oh, we have a great week. Thank you for downloading this episode of That's Deep Bros. Please subscribe or prescribe if you want to just automatically get these. I, I'm i so um, appreciative of everybody who listens to the show. Email me, that's deep bro podcast at gmail.com. Let's do, let's do a retrospective, bros. Uh, oh, did you hear that pop? That was good, right? In your ears, sorry. Uh, what do you want to do next year? What do you... What are we thinking? Are we are we taking inventory? Has this been a great year? This for me has been a a year of tremendous change, tremendous change, and um, but all all uh, all for the better, you know. That's when you think the ground under you is falling apart. It it usually is, so that something else can happen. So a lot of changes, all good in the end, and uh, yeah. Let's take inventory, bros, and we'll meet up again next week, and we'll go over it all. Okay, guys, until then, that's Mindy, bro. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Philosophize with Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.